0: Hi, you're listening to Becoming Unapologetically Me, Well, you will hear all about gaining confidence through mindset, energy, and structures, and how to use that to live life and business truly on our terms. We're going to meet some amazing guests on this journey who will share their stories candidly with us. We're delving into the often hidden and taboo subjects of trauma, abuse, illness, grief, and more but making sure to always focus on how to transform these experiences into personal growth and expansion.
1: Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to our next episode of Becoming Unapologetically Me. And I'm so, so excited today to share this journey and to share the experiences of someone that I've come to call my friend over the last year or so, Michelle Samuels. So massive welcome to you, Michelle. Do you want to tell us a bit about what you do?
2: Yeah, thank you so much for the warm welcome. You are so much a massive friend and a great part of my life. Thank you for the invite today. I feel really honoured that you asked me to talk on your podcast um, and congratulations. I am Michelle Jay. I am a trauma-informed coach. I've had to rebrand and relaunch myself over the last two years following a separation from a 27-year marriage. My journey of changing myself, which I'm sure we'll come on to, started in 2004 when I lost my sister. She died suddenly and unexpectedly in mm-hmm. her sleep. And from then onwards... The old Michelle was no more and I started a new journey a new path of discovering who I was and where I was going. That must have been
1: so so hard. How old was your sister then?
2: She was 20. She turned 20 the October before she died in the February.
1: I was going to ask you what that moment was that brought you to to do what you're doing today, but that's a clearly a very big big part of that and That must have been really tricky to navigate that as you were rebranding yourself. Were there external factors that made it really hard apart from obviously dealing with the grief Mm. internally but what external factors made it tricky in that journey of rebranding yourself and almost you know bringing you to where you are today?
2: Yeah so that's a really great question Helen. I think at the time in 2004 I was deeply deeply mourning my younger sister she was 10 years younger than me so I was very much a motherly figure to her and at the time obviously I didn't know that I was trying to rediscover myself I was just traipsing through quicksand like blue trying to just move through I also had a five-week-old baby my milk stopped suddenly with the trauma and the the emotions from the day, and I literally my body went as I know it now I didn't at the time, with my knowledge now went into survival mode, and my autonomic nervous system went shut down and went into freeze at the time I just thought I was being lazy, I thought I was navigating depression, postnatal depression, anxiety, grief. I put on that. A metaphorical mask of strength for my parents and for my brother who found my sister. And I just kept going. I just put one foot in front of the other and kept going. At the same point as well, that same year, my husband and I decided to start a company, a state agency stroke charter surveyors. And I was heavily involved with that setup, having a master's in business management with him. And it wasn't really until 2019 when I realized that I was just not going anywhere. I just was stuck in my life. You know, i would be like Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. I Mm. just felt there must be some bigger purpose. There must be something else to just feeling like I get up in the morning, I do the school run, I go to work, I cook another meal. And that was it. And I just felt like I was on this this hamster wheel of life. So I'm not really too sure what it was, going back to your question, but I knew there was something that had to be done within my life. And that is when I found Caroline Strawson and her coaching program. And it helped me look at my own traumas within my life, going back to childhood and actually pre-birth, actually intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I resonate with your story so, so deeply. And I shared last week in my episode about the impact of losing my parents.
2: Yeah.
1: And what that, you know, how that really brought up this whole sense of not really knowing who I was. And yes, you have the grief in itself to get over, but actually it brings up so much question, so many questions about yourself and, Who you are and your place in the world, and really resonate with that Groundhog Day feeling, Mm. just going through the motions effectively, but not really knowing why or what you were doing. So it's amazing that you found Caroline. And obviously, Caroline was the person that brought us together. So, you know, I'm really happy that we both found Caroline. But how did you then go about moving forwards and? getting away from that feeling of just going through the motions and why am I even here? You know, what, what was it that you had to mm. do to kind of turn that round into a life where you can go, wake up in the morning and go, woohoo, here you I know. am.
2: So I'm pleased to say most mornings are like that. Not every morning because I'm human. Of course. <laughs> um, but for me, it was really understanding and learning. What a trauma informed approach of life was about. Because I just thought I was a bit broken. You mentioned there about getting over grief. And for me, I deal with a lot of clients that have lost somebody dear to them. For me, I don't think we get over grief. I think, as you just alluded to, we navigate our way through that sticky process. You know, it's not linear, it's very up and down. And moving through is the only way. And I think that's the same with life. And I think that's the same with trauma as well. Once you can identify and understand and accept, which is massively important with grief and loss as well, I think then you can begin to understand the concept of moving forward and allowing yourself the space to do that on an emotional and spiritual level as well, which I've, I've found has, has, has hugely helped me because. I'm beginning to understand that it's okay for everything to fall apart around you when you're navigating that space emotionally before it will start getting better again.
1: Yeah, I hear that. And I certainly felt at times that I was scared to go there internally because could I deal with whatever was bubbling up emotionally wise? And certainly I have found that my spiritual journey has really supported me through not just moving forwards through that grief, but as you say, dealing with anything else that bubbles up in the process of that. What did you find internally that kind of was really challenging for you Mm -hmm. to get
2: over? Big one for me has been navigating toxic people within my life. Mm. I think when you're going through deep trauma work and healing through grief or loss, and I don't just mean that losing somebody physically, you know, we can go through a huge amount of grief and loss from other factors such as, you know, life pre pandemic, um, losing your family home through a divorce, a, a divorce, mm. um, a loss of a pet. And I think it's really important to. Feel your feels. And I did not do that. I just carried on as if everything was normal. And my body was starting to give up on me. My body was going into dis ease, several things over the years, tonsillitis continuously, migraines, neuralgia. I couldn't get out of bed for four days because I was in so much agony. And there were some small triggers like that. And my body was just telling me, no, 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 you need to stop. You need to go inward. And a lot of this did stem round about my lack of boundaries. Mm -hmm. I had no boundaries. Yeah. I was was hugely a people pleaser, would do anything for anyone. And I still would do to some extent. But I've now learned that the oxygen mask has to go on me first before I help others. Yeah, I mean it's so
1: it's absolutely fine to do things for other people as long as it's not at your expense. But when you're draining everything or your reserves out in the name of supporting someone else then then that's not sustainable in any shape or form is it
2: no no and and that and that was massive for me when I when I started realizing like deep internally when my spiritual essence was was telling me in so many ways that the company I was keeping the actions that I was taking the things that I was doing you know my massive crutch when I was grieving was alcohol I was not an alcoholic diagnostically but I would beg to differ that perhaps I had an alcohol problem because I would lean towards that glass or two or maybe three a night to get me over the pain that I was feeling of my grief and that was my
1: crutch
2: I resonate with that
1: so bad so much as well because uh Yes, the, the bottle of wine and I became very good friends in <laughs> just with grief, but it's just so painful. And t- I made the decision oh, over three years ago now to, to stop drinking. And all I did for about two months was cry because I'd suppressed these emotions for so, so long. And then suddenly I was having having to feel the things that I'd suppressed with alcohol for so long. And it was like, wow, massive, massive flood of emotions. But I also recognised that I I can handle it. I can deal with feeling the feels. And I've been so scared to feel them. So it was a very powerful recognition. And you've obviously had that same sort of awakening yourself and recognising that. So, yeah, amazing.
2: Me too. I stopped drinking seven years ago. Wow. Um, I literally just stopped overnight because I just realized that there was something else controlling me Mm. and I was not in control of my future, of what I was doing and where I was going. And I didn't want anything else to rely on that. But interestingly, you just made me think about something else. So after my sister died, I had a small amount of therapy, but it was just talk therapy. It was very, it was very top down. Mm. It it didn't really work for me and now you and i both know how important it is to work bottom up absolutely and yeah. how that massively helps with trauma yeah only i'd known back then 18 <laughs> years ago <laughs> however the the gp that i saw and then subsequently years throughout i was on antidepressants for almost 15 years mm-hmm. which now when i look back is absolutely shocking shocking mm-hmm. um I believe that antidepressants and medication has a place with depression. I was diagnosed with PTSD as well. Mm -hmm. However, when I, um, stepped away from my marriage, which was breaking down in 2020, in 2021, I decided myself, it was time to come off my antidepressants. With all the work I'd done and I'd learned about with trauma, I realized that it wasn't to do with a chemical imbalance in my brain. It was to do with all the traumas I had faced from a very, very young age that I had completely repressed, I Mm -hmm. had not spoken about, and I had buried deeply inside me. And I would not recommend this to anybody. I would recommend doing it with GP consent and help. But I had been on them so long and I'd heard, you know, the same conversations over and over time again, having increased my meds, decreased my meds over time. And I did it very slowly and I withdrew. I didn't go cold turkey. Um, But July 2021, my best friend's husband dropped dead. Oh, wow. Unexpectedly. And she found him on the kitchen floor when she went down one morning to make tea. And because I'd come off my antidepressants, Oh, in my days, the feels that I felt that day, because I was called to go and help her by the police, she had asked for them to call me to go and help her and get her through the day, took me right back to the day, 21st of February, 2004, when my sister died and when she was taken out by the hospital. Yeah. It wasn't so much that, but it was the fact that the antidepressants for me had buffered my highs and my lows yeah. for the last 18 years. Yeah, And I had never felt those extremes of yeah. emotions for those many years. Yeah, And I literally, Helen, I can tell you, I sat on my dining room floor for four hours and I just blubbed like a baby. I mean, I, and I'm not ashamed because I've, I'm a crier anyway, but it was the most amazing feeling. It was the most releasing, just deep, awesome feeling. I can, I'm yeah. share, I can share with you because although I cry, I hadn't really felt my grief that deeply. And it, it yeah. wasn't about my friend's husband dying, although that was an incredibly sad day and just horrendous. It was about the fact that it took me back to my sister's yeah, death.
1: Massive trigger for you, of course.
2: Massively. And, do you know what I'm really proud of myself I went through that day and I allowed my body and I allowed myself to go through those feelings because it's so important so important
1: yeah I believe we were given tear ducts for a very good reason <laughs> and you know yeah. they were there to be used not to just kept to the side and to hang shame on them when we do use them so um Hats off to you for for being able to process that because I think tears allow us to process emotion in the same way that yeah. laughter can. You know, we can process emotion in all sorts of different ways, and allowing yourself permission to cry because where mm. so many of us have been, you know, you pick a child up, don't you, when they fall over? Don't cry, don't cry. You know, exactly. we're taught from a very Man very young age that there's something wrong with crying, and there really isn't, and and, you know, I was about to ask you what your biggest success has been in life. And I, gosh, that sounds like an amazing one to me, just with being able to allow yourself to process emotion in that way.
2: Just going back to tears, a really useless fact. Um, you may or may not know about this, but did you know under the microscope, tears look different for different things and different emotions?
1: I heard that the other day. It's so
2: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just <laughs> that. Up. So anger, yeah. tears. Fear tears, grief tears. They're all different. Amazing. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I love that.
2: Do you know what? I think for me, my biggest achievement, other than education, qualifications, and having my children, which is going to be the two best days of my life, and they're amazing, my boys. But my biggest achievement really has been just standing in my truth the last two years. Yeah. For me, as a woman, I really feel that even when all the odds are against you and people don't want to see the change in you Mm -hmm. and don't accept who you are for changing and this is comes from most often people that are closest and dearest to us our inner circle for me I'm so proud of myself my biggest achievement is that literally Mm -hmm. I'm about kindness I'm about love I'm about helping others being there for others but when you start to stand in that truth yeah. and you can start to love yourself that has been my biggest achievement over the last 2 years because yeah. i never ever loved myself and this
1: is why i wanted you to be here on becoming <laughs> unapologetically me because gosh is that not what it's all about being oh, able so to stand it. in your truth and you're right it's really sad that not everyone can come with you on that journey but still feeling so connected to your truth that you know that that's the place that you need to stand and people could come with you and people don't come with you but you know that you're doing the right thing and that you're standing powerful in who you are and you know that's what this is all about you know what well, for me, this is what life is about. This is why I wanted to, to share through this podcast about, you yeah, know, was- to have wonderful, amazing people like you who are really embodying that. So thank you so much for being here. What are you focusing on right now?
2: Oh, my days. So my main focus right now is on who I am becoming. I mm. guess, unapologetically, here am I becoming as well. <laughs> so I'm a trauma-informed coach. So my massive ambition mm. is to empower and give women a voice, to give them yeah. a voice post-abuse and post-loss. Amazing. And that is my massive ambition. So when my sister died, and you, you can relate to this, so trauma, yeah. deep-rooted trauma that has often been repressed for so, so many years, mm. a, a trauma that has happened more recently can often open up memories. Yeah. When my sister died, it it reopened memories of being abused as a child. Mm -hmm. And I, I got flashbacks for many years and, um, the sexual abuse, I believe happened between about the ages of five and eight. And I can pinpoint that because of the school I was at. Right. So I am all about helping women. I'm not adverse to helping men and boys as well, but that is my passion. Because I felt silenced for so long Mm. with what had happened to me. But I would not be standing where I am today and being able to help other people if I had not gone through the experiences that I've been through. Yeah, 100%. And so I choose to look at those traumas as, and it's taken a lot of work to get here, don't get me wrong. I choose to look at them as things that have happened for me rather Mm. than to Mm. me. Yeah. because. When you can change from a place of anger and resentment and shame, massive shame, although I wasn't the one doing the abusing. Yeah. You can then start to feel compassion and you can forgive, not for them, but you can forgive <laughs> for yourself to be able Thanks. to move forward. Yeah. So <laughs> that is my that is my big passion. Yeah.
1: And so grateful on behalf of all the people that you're going to help that you've found that power inside you to really step into everything that you are and to use these experiences to really help others to process their own experiences because what you're doing is changing lives and you know it's it's just amazing so thank you for being you And just to finish up, you know, what advice would you like to share with our wonderful audience and particularly for anybody who's listening, who maybe feels immobilized by grief and trauma?
2: Yeah. Oh, honestly, a massive hug and love to you if you are feeling that right now. And I think it's important to say that it doesn't matter whether you know or don't know how you're going to get over it or how you're going to face the day. But just talk to somebody, just reach out. It's so important to not suppress that trauma, those feelings. It's so important just to find somebody, whether it's a coach, a therapist, a friend, and find modalities that work for you. And it does get better. I have been in such deep, dark places as a lot of people have, but there are ways of getting through and moving through.
1: Yeah. And thank you for shining your light now, Michelle, because it's just a beautiful gift to, to all of these people who are listening and who maybe feel a little bit lost and, yeah. as you said at the beginning, even a bit broken. When the truth is that we're not broken, we've just got things that we need to to deal with. And your light is amazing to shine to help those people. I know we're going to have all your links in the show notes, so if you want to connect with Michelle, then you'll be able to through the show notes. And I just thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and shining your light. You're a beautiful, beautiful person.
2: Thank you so much, Helen, and thank you for the invite today. You take care. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening today. And I hope you found this discussion inspiring, thought-provoking, and motivating. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and any comment you think pertinent. And why not share the love by telling your amazing friends all about it too.
2: Making a high-quality podcast like this one takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire a podcast company. With our White Glove experience, we handle everything for you. From guest outreach all the way through to publishing and promotion, we handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews and build relationships with your guests, and we take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a new relationship. With a Weekly Podcast, you'd build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through your podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe that 52 new relationships would help grow your business? We do. Contact jason at a and let's talk.